we ever do a uh, Bible trivia game, Felicity's on my team. She said, uh, did you know that where Moses was buried was unknown? I said, yeah, that's, that's a good little, bit of, good little bit of truth there. All right, so we are in Hebrews chapter 11. We've been here a while. We'll be here a while. And next on the list in the Hall of Faith from Hebrews 11 is Moses. And the faith of Moses is really effective for the author because he's going the distance, trying to persuade these people not to leave Christ for Moses. These are first century Jewish Christians, many of whom are thinking about going back to the old ways, to the old covenant, to the old sacrificial system that Moses showed them, and he wants to make certain they see Moses for who he really is, someone who trusted Christ and looked forward to his day. What these people need to see and what the author is showing them is that if they really wanted to follow Moses' example, then they would continue as Christians instead of uh, trying to go back to what they think it means to be a Jew. God's people are and always have been those who are joined to God by faith in Christ. And here we see the faith of Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, read with me now the words of the one true living God. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for your word, that it is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path. God, I pray that as I preach this morning, you would allow for your word to be heard and received that your sheep would be fed and nourished for your glory and for the good of all of us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So Moses, by all accounts, was a man without a future. No future in Egypt for Hebrew boys. No future for a prince of Egypt outside of Egypt. People by nature only ever base their thoughts about the future on what they can see. Whatever plans they have, whatever they hope may happen, whatever seems like a right course of action or what they think is possible or even feasible is only ever regulated by what they can see and what they conceive of in their limited thinking. By faith, God's people, those who have received the gift of salvation, who have been sprinkled clean with the blood of Jesus and born again by the Holy Spirit, are not limited in our own thinking. We have more, infinitely more. Our hopes, plans, what we believe is possible and what we believe is a right course of action for us is regulated by the promises of the one true and living God who made all things 
and makes all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8. That gives us a faith that fears not. Do you see that in these verses? Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's edict that said every male-born Hebrew child was to be killed, verse 23. Moses wasn't afraid of the anger of the king either, verse 27. And why not? Faith, it says. Faith fears God and not man. And so as we think about the future and what lies ahead for us, what lies ahead for us individually, our health, our careers, our, our callings, our finances, our families, waiting for God to provide a husband or a wife, waiting for God to provide children, anything we could worry ourselves with as of ind individuals, and even as a church, where things are headed for us as the church in 21st century America. We let God's word direct us. We look at those things and consider those things by faith. That thing the author describes in verse 1, remember, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When the world has nothing to look forward to, the Christian does. No matter how bleak things seem at any point in human history, Christians have always had something to look forward to. The, the care and concern of our Heavenly Father, the unstoppable spread of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ruin of Satan and all his works and the final resurrection that ushers everything into an atmosphere of nothing but grace and God's presence with us in a world without sin and finding ourselves invited and seated at the table of the wedding feast of the Lamb. The rest of the world may fear the end of all things, but we're looking forward to the beginning of better things. Do you realize that? Do you believe it? It wasn't long ago, around Christmas time, I finished reading the Chronicles of Narnia to our boys. And at the end of the last battle, the characters are beginning to realize they've all died. Spoiler alert, I know, I'm sorry. And Lewis explains how for the reader, this is the end of all the stories. But for them, for the characters, it was only the beginning, it was only the, the cover page it was the beginning of a new story that goes on forever that no one on earth has ever read and in which every chapter is better than the one that came before. What portion of your, of your thinking do thoughts of eternity occupy? Be filled with those thoughts. Thoughts of eternity. That's not something that's off the table for you. Be filled with those thoughts of eternity. It'll change your life. Paul says so in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Or, or your life will be racked with fear and uncertainty about the future because you punt the promises of God and choose to play defense against a fallen world that's frankly just a whole lot bigger and stronger than you are. When you do that, when you face the world on your own without hope in Christ, you're given to pessimism and despair and even, and this is what the author of Hebrews has really been hammering home for them and warning them against, apostasy, falling away, finally convincing yourself it's not worth it after all and just walking away. But the future always remains bright for those believing the promises of God. Moses, by all accounts and according to worldly thinking that fears man and not God, was a man with no future. But he had faith, and by faith, he refused to follow the world. He chose to follow Christ even when it didn't make sense. And he endured hardship and suffering. And didn't we say in the very beginning, for those of us that have been along for the ride in Hebrews 11, that those three things would continue popping up over and over again? And they're here again. You know, we didn't talk about it as much with Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, but that's because we can't use that outline as sort of a procrustean bed. We can't, in other words, we can't force uh, God's word into conformity with my outline and headings. But here it is, clearly, they're all here. Moses refused to follow the world. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 24. He followed Christ instead, verse 26, even when it didn't appear to make sense. Even when God said, you know, tell everyone to paint some blood over the doorpost so that I won't come and kill him. He followed Christ instead, even though it meant choosing mistreatment over treasure, verse 25 and 26. Faith refuses to follow the world. It follows Christ even when it doesn't make sense. And faith endures hardship, persecution, and suffering. So let's look at these verses carefully and see all of that playing out. First point, faith refuses to follow the world. Faith is known by its choices. You see some choices being made here. Moses' parents made the choice to trust God had a purpose for their son and to ignore the king's edict. That's because faith does what is right, not just what it's told. Even if it's the state that told you. God has said what is good, what is true, what is beautiful, what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. The Pharaoh ordered all male-born Hebrew children to be killed because they were, they were multiplying like crazy just, just everywhere you turn, overrunning Egypt. And the Pharaoh knew that was potentially a threat. Moses' parents looked at that and said, this is exactly what God said would happen. He told our father Abraham that our people would be as many as the sands on the seashore and as many as the, the stars in the sky. And it's happening. And this baby... There's something about him. 
They knew it. It's possible God even revealed to Moses' parents that he had plans for him to deliver his people. We actually get a little hint of that maybe from Stephen in Acts chapter 7. But what it says here is that they saw the child was beautiful and they decided to hide him. So not the fear of the dire consequences for keeping the child hidden and not even the fear of having him possibly stripped from their arms and killed right in front of them kept them from waiting for God's plans for this child to be revealed. They waited for God's promises to work out. That seems crazy, and it is, but they had faith. Faith doesn't fear man, it fears God. Faith does what is right, not just does as it's told. Your yes to Christ means a no to the world. We see that in the faith of Moses' parents, and we begin to see that in the faith of Moses himself. His yes to Christ meant a no to the world. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but that's hard. Pharaoh's daughter doesn't strike us as a villain. We don't get any indication that she was a bad mother. She's not like some evil witch stepmother. She loved Moses as her own. She was a mother to him probably wanted the best in life for him. So we can't look at Moses' refusal to be called her son as him being an impudent and ungrateful child or that she was uh, an awful mother. Instead, what we see is that faith is known by its choices. And Moses would rather be a son of Abraham than a son of Pharaoh's daughter. An heir with Christ rather than an heir of the throne of Egypt. He preferred to be at the foot of the cross than on the throne of Egypt. What that means is he chose the worst of religion instead of the best of the world. Chose mistreatment with the people of God over enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, it says there, verse 25. If we're thinking like the world thinks and living by sight and not by faith, we can't look at Moses and not think he's crazy. Being the son of Pharaoh's daughter meant you were Pharaoh's grandson. If you were an Egyptian, you'd give your leg to be Pharaoh's grandson. I mean, you talk about wealth and privilege and, and having the world on a string. People thought your grandfather was God incarnate. Moses knew he wasn't. He knew who was and who would be incarnate. And that's how he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, verse 26. So Moses had it all, and he refused it all. Why? Well, first of all, how? By faith, right? But why? Because he knew by faith where the greater treasure lies. If he wasn't convinced of it, he wouldn't have refused what was right in front of him. I mean, how do you walk away from all that you have now for what you're not sure you will have later? That's just it. He was. He was sure. That's how faith works. Believing the promises of God. It's not a gamble. There's nothing more sure, nothing that outlasts everything but the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Isaiah 48. 
Faith is known by its choices, and Moses chose to refuse to follow the world. You know, I bet it wasn't a sense of solidarity with the Israelites either. What do you think? There's no, there's no future for them. That's for sure. Wasn't going to gain anything by throwing in his lot with them. Besides, if he really wanted to help them, right? If, that's what, if, that, if that was his motivation. If he really wanted to help them, wouldn't he have been better off doing it by staying on the inside and at the top where he already was? Now, Betty didn't just hear a good sermon one day either and all the lights came on for him and he was all charged up because that would have worn off before they even got to the Red Sea. If it didn't happen before, then it would have happened there and it certainly would have worn off somewhere in the wilderness over the course of 40 years. What it took for him to make the choice to say no to the world and side with God's people no matter what was faith. Faith in Christ. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can't, you can't meet Jesus and be unchanged. You can't meet Jesus and be unchanged any more than you could fall off a 12-story building and be unchanged. There's a death and a birth that happens simultaneously in a believer's heart when the Holy Spirit calls a person and applies the benefits of Christ's redemption to him. We die to our former selves and are made alive in Christ. And when that happens, we don't run on the same juice anymore. We don't think the same, we don't see things the same way. Faith compels us to do what seems foolish to those without it. Faith is known by its choices And faith is what it took for Moses to choose to walk away from his life of privilege as a prince and throw in his lot with slaves. Didn't appear to make sense, but it did to him. He believed the slaves were the people of God and the Egyptians were opposed to God. What other choice did he have? Faith follows Christ even when it doesn't make sense. Can you think of the number of times this was evident in Moses' life? Where it just didn't seem to make sense? Because Moses is such a well-known figure in the Bible, we we don't have to turn a lot of pages and look. I mean, we, we, we can recall the wondrous works of God brought about through Moses, how God chose to use him in miraculous ways. We remember God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, right? And he told Moses... He was going to do things Moses didn't want to do. He told Moses, you're going to do things Moses knew he can't do. He was reluctant. And aren't we all? Aren't we all when God calls us out of our comfort zone? Aren't we all reluctant when we realize we're going to have to rely on God and not on ourselves? But at the end of the day, what choice did Moses have? He knew God was able even if he wasn't. And he knew God was reliable. So if he said it, Moses knew he'd be a fool not to believe it. Faith follows even when it doesn't seem to make sense. And so you see, throughout Exodus, up until Moses died, God said, Moses did. You want want a little summary of the faith of Moses? You want to know that his faith was real? There it is in four words. God said, 
Moses did. How'd that be as an engraving on your tombstone? Think about some of the things God told him to do and how ridiculous they would seem to anyone not trusting him by faith. You know, just recall all the ways, you know. He's like, hey, so tell your brother Aaron, tell him throw his staff down on the ground in front of Pharaoh and his magician so that it turns into a serpent. You know, be honest, y'all. You know, if that's you, you'd be like, in front of all these people? But he did it. That's what faith does. Follows Christ even when it doesn't make sense. And he says, tell Aaron to take his staff, stretch out his hands over the Nile, and turn it into blood. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. Exodus 7, verse 20. He's like, all right, tell Aaron to do it again. Except this time, make uh, frogs just cover Egypt like a blanket. Done. Okay, now gnats. Now flies. Now wipe out the livestock. Boils on the Egyptian skin. A massive hailstorm that devastated Egypt, but just outside of Egypt. Just, just outside of Egypt in Goshen where the Hebrews were, no hail. Then locusts, then darkness, then death. The kind of death Pharaoh ordered for all those years ago. The death of the firstborn of all of Egypt. The kind of death faith doesn't fear, but that strikes fear in the hearts of those without it and reminds us who God is. Verse 28 says, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And you all remember this, right? You remember how this all went down. God commands Moses to tell all of the congregation of Israel that judgment is coming. And the only way to escape it the only ones to whom I will be merciful are to those marked by the blood of the lamb. So take a lamb, kill it, eat all of it, paint its blood over the entrance of your house. And when I see the blood, God says, Exodus 12, 13, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Is that all it takes to be saved, God? What? You mean faith? Yep. Yep. When John the Baptist announces Christ before a Jewish audience who knew all about the Passover, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The world has much to fear without faith. Faith as we've been defining it as we've gone through chapter 11 of Hebrews, okay? We're not talking about Oprah Winfrey faith. We're not talking about good vibes, good vibes and just having, having faith that things will all work out or uh, sending good vibes out into the universe. That's all nonsense, God's wrath is poured out on sinners and there are none righteous, not even one. But the Lamb of God was slain and his blood was shed as a covering for sinners. So that when God sees the blood, he will pass over you. 
It is only by faith in the Son God has sent to be a sacrifice for sin that any of us can smile at the future. And Moses did, despite the hardship he faced. And so can we, y'all. So can we. We can smile at the future, despite whatever hardship we may face. That's point number three, faith endures hardship. Moses knew, by faith, a cross comes before the crown. That's how he could trade honor with men for honor with God, how he could choose mistreatment and reproach with Christ. Because faith believes God rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Faith believes, faith wants the best and believes only God has it. Faith wants the best and knows only God has it. Let me ask you this. You ever think about this? Do you ever think Moses felt like a failure? I mean, for all his efforts, all of his his obedience, we saw he obeyed God. He loved God. He listened to God. For all of his obedience, all of his self-sacrifice for his people, isn't he constantly met with obstinance? and grumbling, and unfaithfulness, and ingratitude. You know, you think about when they first got out of Egypt. He's like, hey guys, God has answered our prayers. He's delivered us. He performed some pretty wild miracles back there. Aaron, you were there. You had a front seat. Now, I'm going I'm to go up on this mountain here. I'm going to go and talk with God and see what he has to say, and then I'll come back and check in with you. You guys stay out of trouble. He goes up the mountain, talks with God, comes back down with two tablets, the Ten Commandments. And already they've made a golden calf statue saying, this, this is our God that has delivered us out of Egypt. And Aaron helped him do it. Over and over again, this kind of thing happens and Moses is met with his inability to satisfy these people or lead these people. But faith can overcome a sense of failure. It did for Moses. I heard a quote one time, and I think it's true, that failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. Failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. That's why success, as the world defines it, is always so unsatisfying. It's why people who seem to have everything only ever want more. You ask somebody who has everything, what do they want? More. And that's why those enduring hardship, when we define success the way the world does, it's why those enduring hardship believe there's nothing left to live for. And y'all, that's not just true of unbelievers, that's true for Christians. If it, weren't, if it weren't true for Christians, we wouldn't have a book of Hebrews written to Christians who were struggling to believe the promises of God are worth it. This is why it's so important for us as Christians to take a long view. You know what I mean? To have a long view. To reassess what's really important, what really matters. Because life has valleys, doesn't it? The path of righteousness Christ leads us in 
has valleys, dark ones sometimes. It's just a fact of life. David was on that path, and he found himself at times in the valley of the shadow of death, he says. And even there, by faith, David was able to say, I shall fear no evil. And why? Why does he say that? Why is David so fearless? Is it because he's such a stud? No. What does he say next? Because you are with me. I shall fear no evil because you are with me. That's how faith endures suffering. You are with me. In the face of clear and present danger... Faith says, I know my God lives, and I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will not be convinced, Christian, to endure hardship in this life if you lose sight of the reward in the next. The world will always look more attractive to you than following Christ. If you're not thinking about eternity and the treasures that wait for you in heaven, We have to have a long view. Moses did. Moses had a long view, even when it was hard. Faith kept him going. Faith in Christ, that his promises are true and that his reward would be great. That's how Moses finished well. And Moses finishing well is why he's listed here in Hebrews 11. Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Moses knows. Moses knows today. Faith in Christ endures hardship. Nothing else can. Faith And Christ has a future, and nothing else does. Have faith in Christ, as the author's trying to tell these people. Keep faith in Christ. Don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. Struggle through it. Be encouraged. Keep going. Know that it will be worth it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you again that we have your word, that you have made yourself accessible to us, and that you give us understanding by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that all of us here this morning would be reminded of the great cost of our salvation, the great worth of Christ and his sacrifice for us, and that you would use your word preached this morning to encourage your people. Lord, that faith would be increased that we would believe your promises and that our belief in them would bring about a joy and an obedience in us that is pleasing to you and a blessing to those around us. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.